0: If you would flip to John chapter 15 in your Bibles. If you don't have your Bible with you, you can grab a pew Bible. That's what those are for. John chapter 15. I I am going to have much of the scripture up here, but not all of it. And it's really good if you can follow along in your Bible. John chapter 15. Over the last couple of weeks, the Lord has been teaching us what it looks like to follow Jesus now in the in-between time, after he has ascended back to the Father, before he has returned to collect his church to himself, and we've seen that one of the the primary ways we follow Jesus now is by loving one another. And then last week, the Lord taught us that one of the primary ways we love one another is by humbling ourselves. By emptying ourselves to serve and love one another selflessly, the way Jesus loved and served us. This week, we're going to turn our focus, we're going to pivot just a little bit and look at something that Jesus taught his disciples a few moments later from those passages we looked at the last two weeks. And we're going to look at a metaphor, a very famous metaphor, wherein Jesus is depicted as the vine and we are depicted as the branches. So, I've boiled down for you my sermon in a sentence. Uh, I think it's helpful to do this, so you'll know you got it if you get this. It's maybe a run-on sentence. Pardon my bad English if it is. Jesus is the vine. We are the branches, meant to bear much fruit by abiding in him. That's, that is the big idea. That, this is what I want to convey to you this morning from John chapter 15. Jesus is the vine. We are the branches meant to bear much fruit by abiding in him. Let's read together the first five verses of John chapter 15. Jesus said to his disciples right after what I read earlier in the service. I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, this is a very famous metaphor, and it's a beautiful passage of Scripture. It's a beautiful image. It can be a little confusing because what he is teaching wraps around itself like a vine, and it circles around itself, and and he repeats it from different angles. So I'd like us just to take that statement I gave you at the beginning and just take it bit by bit. And that's my sermon for you this morning. So first, Jesus is the vine, we are the branches. That comes directly from verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He is the vine, we are the branches. So if you were to be approached on the street or at work and someone asked you, how would you describe your relationship with Jesus Christ? Now, granted, that's not likely to be an opening question that you get from someone, but just think about that. How would you describe your relationship with Jesus Christ? I'll let you consider it for just a minute. It is at the very core of everything we believe as Christians our relationship, our connection to Jesus Christ. It can be hard to articulate what that is and how that looks. And I think that's one reason that he gave us this image to help us understand our relationship to him. Because I think we we often fall short in our understanding of our relationship with Jesus and we settle for lesser relationships. When in reality, we get to relate to Jesus like a branch gets to relate to a vine. And I know that we're probably more familiar with like trees and plants in the garden then like grapevines, but think of it as a tree for a minute. It's the relationship between a branch and the tree trunk, the relationship between a branch and a vine. Often we settle for a relationship of mere association with Jesus. Jesus. That's the extent of it, that we associate ourselves with him. We, we sprinkle his name and some of his symbols over our life that we're living, but that's not as full a relationship as a branch to a vine. Sometimes we settle for a client or customer relationship with Jesus, where we go to him for goods and services. We go to him to, to, for a transaction of what we need so we can go back to our lives. But that falls short of the branch-vine relationship. Sometimes we settle for a pupil-teacher relationship with Jesus where we merely learn from him so that we can incorporate his lessons into our life. But that falls short of the branch-vine relationship. Sometimes we settle for a patient-to-doctor or patient-to-therapist relationship with Jesus where we visit him occasionally when we have some need, some hurt some wound that we want to have healed, some um, uncertainty that we need clarity and direction for. And we sit on the couch and we, we interact with him, but then we leave his office to go back into our lives that we're living. That falls short of the branch vine relationship. Sometimes we settle for a uh, rescuer relationship with Jesus. We recognize that he came to save us from our sins and we're grateful for it you know we believe him to save us for our sins and then we go and we live our lives while being grateful that he rescued us that falls short of the branch vine relationship sometimes we settle for a subject ruler relationship subject and lord relationship where we do as he says where we try to be obedient while we live our lives we try to incorporate obedience to his commands and his teachings into our lives that falls short of the vine-branch relationship. Now, there's elements of truth to all those facets of our relationship with Jesus, but it goes far deeper than that. See, a branch relates to a vine in that it is absolutely dependent upon that vine for everything it needs to live and be fruitful. So, yes, Jesus we are associated with him and and yes we do receive from him the things we need to live and we do learn from him and he does uh counsel us and soothe us and heal us and he is our savior and rescuer and he is our lord and master but all of that is woven in to this deeply ingrained unbroken connection that we have with him as christians We depend on Jesus for everything in order to live and be fruitful. In the same way a branch depends on a vine. So, Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. Meant to bear much fruit. You know, vines are utilitarian plants. They're not primarily for beauty. They're primarily to produce fruit. Now, fruitfulness is different from productivity. Some of you guys in, in sort of the business world probably read books on productivity and, and uh, really all of us want to know how to be more productive. We have more things to accomplish in a given day than we feel like we have time or energy. So we're looking for ways to be efficient and produce better, bigger results with less effort. Fruitfulness and productivity are not the exact same thing. Fruitfulness has the idea of natural development. Things that grow naturally naturally out of who we are. Productivity has a bit more of a mechanical idea to it. We are meant to be fruitful. We are meant to be so transformed in who we are that fruit naturally grows from us. I think that if Jesus was giving this same metaphor today in 2014, he probably would have stuck with the same imagery of a vine and branches and fruit. I don't think he would have said I am the Apple store and you are the iPhone sixes. That's, that's mechanical. And it, I think he would have stuck with the metaphor out of nature because that's how Christianity works. Note the focus on fruit. Let's read verses one through eight again and just count how many times you hear the word fruit. I am the vine and my father is the vine dresser. And so prove to be my disciples. You're meant to be fruitful. You're meant to bear much fruit. This is why the Father is always cutting. Did you notice that in the first two verses, what the Father does in this equation? Look back at it again. I am the vine, I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser or the one who tends the vines. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, cuts it away, removes it, gets rid of it. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, cuts it back, cuts elements of it away. That it may bear more fruit. You are meant to bear much fruit and that's why the father is always cutting He's always cutting things away. Now, the first reference there, the branches that don't bear fruit, to put it bluntly, is referring to damnation, to taking people away from the church. And it happens along the way, and it's going to happen in mass when Jesus returns. We're taught that within the church, within those who call themselves Christians, there are sheep and there are goats. And when Jesus returns, he's going to separate the sheep from the goats. And that many are going to say in that day, Lord, Lord, didn't I go to church? Didn't I go to men's fellowship? Didn't I go to the crisis assistance ministry? Didn't I do all this stuff in your name? And he's going to say, I didn't depart from me. I didn't know you. There's going to be a massive cleaning out of the vineyard in that day. And for those of us who are Christians, who are disciples, who are bearing fruit in our lives, he still cuts. He's always cutting. In our lives, he's, he's pruning constantly, cutting away anything in our lives that might sap our strength from fruitfulness, from loving him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, from loving others as ourselves, from making disciples. It can be painful to be a Christian. The pruning shears are sharp. But I want you to think back in your lives. What has Drawing you the closest to Jesus Christ, what has bound you the tightest to Jesus Christ? Was it the good times when you were allowed to grow free in whatever directions you wanted? Or was it the hard times when things got chopped out of your life that you wanted to remain, when painful things happened? Thinking back on your life, what has caused the most fruit to grow? Often a Christian will look back and they'll see that it was the pain. It was the times when he cut. And that's true for me. I look back and two two things stand out the most. One, the loneliest period of my life. I look back and I see that where he chopped out all of my relationships that I loved, all my friends and my current girlfriend all moved off to college and started living it up while I lived with mom and dad and went to CP. Super lonely time. But out of that spot where that was, he lopped that off. And out of that grew my devotion to his word. It was through that loneliness that I I was given the opportunity to teach. And I had all the time in the world to study, to teach the middle schoolers. And I realized how satisfying it is to get to know the Lord Jesus through his word. Had I gone off to NC State, I probably would have been having the time of my life. I may have never had that opportunity, never had that vacancy in my vine to grow this fruit. I don't see how I would have gone down the path of where I fell in love with teaching his word. I don't see how I would have decided to go to Bible college. I don't see how I would have ever met Meredith because we, you know, that came from being a counselor. I don't see how I would ever become a pastor, but I wouldn't have chosen a lonely time where he removed all my friends and my then girlfriend would have never wanted that. I'm so thankful that he chopped that stuff out of my life so grateful for the fruit that he's cultivated in me through that. The other times, a time when I had to, because of the conviction of the Holy spirit, address a deep and secret ongoing sin in my life. And that was excruciating. There's never been a time in my life more painful than that. But I look back at that now and I see that out of that area where he pruned that away, I have the most real and, and transparent relationships with people now. And, um, I was deeply humbled during that time. I've been able to comfort others with the comfort I've received during that time. And I bet each of us who are believers, who have been believers for any amount of time, can go and tell story after story after story of the hardest, darkest times in our lives when we felt the pruning shears the most deeply, and the fruit that has blossomed and grown in that place. The Father is always cutting. It's always cutting, but he's doing it so that we will bear fruit because we're designed to bear much fruit. So Jesus is the vine and we are the branches meant to bear much fruit by abiding in him. Look at verses four and five with me again. Abide in me and I in you. That word abide means basically remain or stay or live. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Remain in Jesus and let him remain in you. Stay in Jesus and let him stay in you. Live in Jesus and let, let him live in you. See how that's a lot deeper relationship than those things I mentioned at the beginning of the sermon, association and and the client-customer relationship, etc. It's an almost mysteriously deep, mutually indwelling relationship relationship, it's very difficult to wrap our minds around. And if you read through uh, John chapter 13 on through chapter 17, you'll see this in one another language repeated over and over again. How Jesus is in the Father, and the Father is in Jesus, and Jesus is in us, and we are in Jesus, and therefore the Father is in us, and we are in the Father. I, I don't fully have my mind wrapped around exactly what all that means. I think it's one of these mysterious things, kind of like the Trinity, Kind of like God's sovereignty and, and our free choice. It's, it's a little beyond our carnal brain's ability to fully comprehend. But in a very real way, as believers, Jesus is in us. Sort of like a vine is in a branch. And we are in him, sort of like a branch is in a vine. And yet we're told, we're told that we're in him and we're told to stay in him to abide in him. Now I'd like to end the sermon on a very um, practical note. The only commands in, in this passage here are twice we're told to abide in him. Once abide in him, and then another time abide in his love. And there's clues within the passage of exactly what in the world does this mean to abide in Jesus. So I'm just gonna take you through the clues and give you a practical little four-step process of how to abide in Jesus as a Christian, okay? Step number one, let his words abide in you. That comes from verse seven, and that's not gonna be up there, so you'll have to take my word for it or look at in your Bibles. Verse seven, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, Remember, the word abide means basically to live. So, if we are to abide in Jesus so that we can bear fruit, step one is letting His words abide in us and live in us. So, when you read God's word or you hear God's word preached, what happens to that word after it enters you, after it enters your ears and your mind? Do those words settle down into your heart and produce response, produce a change in your worldview? Produce a change in how you see reality? Produce a change in the way you relate to people? Produce a change in the way you relate to God? Or do the words go in through your ears and just sort of dissolve and die and disappear? We need to let Jesus' words find a home in us. Now, this is where it takes some elbow grease. This is where our Sunday school would be very helpful to you if you're not a part of it, where we're learning the spiritual disciplines. And this morning we talked about scripture intake, how how to read it, how to study it, how to take it in. If your Bibles are rarely opened, you're you're rarely going to bear any fruit. We abide in Jesus by allowing his words to abide in us. Step two. Let his words grow into fruitful prayer. This also comes from verse seven. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. That's quite a promise, isn't it? Ask whatever you wish, whatever, and it will be done for you. Now we could dwell on that phrase for a full sermon, but for now, let it suffice to say that Our prayer trouble is really word trouble. Now, I'm not going to ask you to actually raise your hand, but how many among us really struggle in our prayer lives, really struggle to pray like we think we ought to? Well, the problem doesn't lie in our praying. It lies in our intake of God's word because it's in letting God's word abide in us that we abide in Jesus and we have content and confidence for praying. Otherwise, we're just sort of asking God for stuff who knows if it's within his will, who knows if it accords with his word and who knows what his answers may be. But see, as we're in the word and we're letting it abide in us, our passions and our desires and our cravings start to align with God's passions and desires and cravings. Our prayers start to align with his will. It gives us some ammo to pray because we know what God has said. We know his promises, so we know how to interact with him about it. We know his commands, so we know his desires for us and people. If you go out deer hunting without any ammo, you shouldn't be surprised if you don't come home with a deer. And If you kneel down to pray without a clue of God's word, you shouldn't be surprised when you come up empty from that either. Prayer trouble is really word trouble. You know, I've got this. I brought this up here with me. I have, I have a lot of these little books. This is what I take my notes in. You see, this is gray, but this one's black. Um, this is, you You might call it a prayer journal. I sort of record my prayers in handwriting so sloppy that if I ever left it behind and someone grabbed it, they wouldn't be able to read them anyway. It's just for me, my benefit. Um, I have many, many prayers in here for you and for my family and for me. And um, I look back at it and I see this promise hold true. That where I am praying based on the words, fruit that is bringing about in my life. When I come back around, I date the prayers and I put reports on what's going on. I look back around and I see that the Lord has been faithful to answer those prayers, prayers for opportunities to reach out to to somebody that I don't have access to, but that I wish I did, you know, spouses, some of your you know spouses that that aren't attending church or um people a couple of relationships down in my family, and I loop back around I have a system for everything I do but i I loop back around and come back through and and I see, man, a month ago God gave me the perfect answer to this prayer, so I write it in there, or I had one in here where um i I was having a bit of a crisis of calling of just wondering, man, am I the man for this? Am I the man that this church needs right now? And uh, and you know whether you're happy about it or not, I, I looked back around and I saw that the Lord really confirmed that yes, right now I I mean for you to be there at this church, and I see how God's given me and Meredith just such a peace about our calling here to you. And um, I I look through and I see how many prayers I've prayed for you guys that God would draw you near to him through Jesus Christ. And I see the myriad of ways he has answered that prayer. And I see all the people in our church that I, I feel like are nearer to Christ now than have they've ever been before in their life from what they've shared with me. And it's so neat to see the circumstances God uses to answer those prayers, but he does answer them. He really does. And there's nothing as joyful nothing is joyful than looking back and seeing our attentive father, seeing how he loves us through answering our prayers. It is awesome. If if you're not praying, pray, but don't just start praying. First get in here and let his words start to live in you. Let these words start to produce prayer in you. And if you're like me, you need to write it down because I would not have remembered I prayed some of these prayers. And I would not have recognized the answers as answers. I would have thought they were just happenstance. So let his words live in you. Let his words grow into fruitful prayer. Number three, let his words grow into fruitful love. We've talked a lot about love, so I'm not going to dwell on this a whole lot, but I want to read to you two verses from this passage. Verse 10 and then verse 12, actually. Verse 10, Jesus says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. So here he phrases it a little bit differently. Instead of abide in me, he says abide in my love, which I think kind of fills out our understanding of what he means. But he says we do that abiding by keeping his commandments. And then just step over verse 11 into verse 12. And he says, this is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. So a big part of this whole abiding process is obedience to his commandments, especially in loving one another. So let his words abide in you and let that word grow up and blossom out of you into the fruit of real love. The kind of love we talked about last week. Humble, selfless love. Let his words live in you. Let his words grow into fruitful prayer. Let his words grow into fruitful love. And last one, let his words grow into fruitful joy. Let's read verse 11 that we just skipped. These things I have spoken to you, all this about abiding in me and me being the vine and you being the branches, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full, full. You know, we planted a little garden this year, first year we've ever done that, um, made a little raised bed and um, it's really meritous. us. Meredith's project more than mine. I'm not good with those sorts of things, but one of the things we planted in there, well, what all do we plant? We planted squash and we planted cherry tomatoes. Those are the main two things I remember. Really put off a lot of call it fruit, you know, vegetables. What's a tomato, fruit or vegetable? Fruit, okay. Let's, go, let's stick with the tomato then. because I cannot believe how many little tomatoes have come off of that thing. It's full with them. Well, Jesus is teaching us this about abiding in him because He wants our joy to be full. He wants our joy to be producing like that. And it can. Some of you may not believe that, but it can. You know, when we talk about the spiritual discipline, sometimes we can feel kind of guilty. Like if I were to bring you up one by one and interview you and demand complete honesty, how often do you read your Bible? You know, it, it might evoke provoke shame in some of us who've kind of gotten out of the practice and um, feel guilty. But really, this isn't a, a shaming thing or a guilt thing. It's an invitation to fullness of joy. We don't read our Bibles because we just don't realize the fruitful joy that grows out of letting this abide in us. But once you get a taste for it, once you realize it, you'll stay in here and this will stay in you. So just to sum all this up simply, the fruitful, praying, loving, joyful Christian has a well-worn Bible. The fruitful, praying, loving, joyful Christian always has a well-worn Bible. Jesus is the vine. We are the branches meant to bear much fruit by abiding in him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this word from Jesus and thank you. Thank you for allowing us to be branches. Thank you that we are already clean because of the word that he has spoken to us. Thank you that insofar as we have believed in that word that he is your son. God in flesh sent to live the perfect life that we failed to live and die the death that we deserved. That we are adopted as your sons and daughters through faith in him. Lord, let us now free us from whatever tangles us up, prune away from us, whatever slows us down from growing fruitful. May we as a church be an abundantly fruitful people. Because we know that it's in this, in our fruitfulness, that you are glorified. Now, I believe that this prayer is informed by your word living in me. So I have absolute confidence that you will answer this prayer and that you will make us into an abundantly fruitful church. And Father, I don't know if everybody in here feels this courageous right now, but but I do. No matter the pain that we may have to endure From your cutting and your pruning, make us fruitful for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.